Cool. My name is David. I have the opportunity to, to preach the word to you guys today. Um, let's just open up God's prayer before we get started. So let's do that. Um, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this opportunity to come to you to preach your word. God, I pray that you can uh, be with me, speak through me. I'm your instrument. I'm your vessel. God, I pray for just these thoughts and just these ideas that are, are down in this paper that I can um, explain them clearly, God, to help us to become men and women who really just strive to go after you with everything that we have, God. But thank you for this time to pray. Thank you for this time um, to share your word and, uh, and your thoughts, God, with the uh, congregation here in this year's sense of my prayer. Amen. Amen. So, uh... I was thinking about kind of what to talk about, and some people I, I help out with the campus ministry at, at UVM there, and uh, some of the students make fun of me because I always talk about space and science and all this other stuff, and uh, I just have a thing for science fiction. I don't know. I love it. I love anything to aliens, to deep space travel, uh, to superpowers, anything science fiction is what I love, um, but I also love the idea of time travel. You know, for me, I think time travel came... My interest in it came out. I used to watch Back to the Future uh, with my dad. Who's seen that? Can you just raise your hand? Okay, I'm not dating myself. That's good. I respect it. I thought I was going to have to explain everything that's going on here. We're good. Uh, but real quickly, for those who don't know, there's this cool character named Marty McFly. Super awesome name. And uh, he, he hooks up with this guy he calls the Doc. And uh, the Doc is crazy. He, uh, he builds a time machine using a, using a car. And uh, they go back in time. And I don't want to spoil any plot, but what they end up doing in this time is they, you know, they go back in time. In one part, they go to the future. Another time, they go back in time to like an alternate time. And then they even go further back in time as well. And so, sounds crazy. If you haven't seen it, it's awesome stuff. I love it. It's still pretty well done today. Uh, but the idea of time travel always interests me, right? Uh, the idea of being able to go to the past and to the future. And I, people have many theories about time travel these days. But I just think it'd be really cool if I had the opportunity to go back just one time. Like, what would I do? Who would I see? And so... We all have these moments in our lives, right? I feel like that we either, you know, cringe with embarrassment or we shake our heads with regret, right? I think for me, I was thinking of a couple, of, uh, an embarrassing moment. I remember in third grade, I cried in front of my entire class. Um, I won't get into too many details, but I had to sing a song because I left my, my pencil or my notebook there. And the teacher said, you have to sing a funny song to get it back just to lighten up the mood. And I broke down and I cried. Instead of singing. Because <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. Like, those, are, those are the moments I like, shake my head at with embarrassment. Right? There's, uh, there's, there's other times I feel like where uh, I just have regrets. I think about that and I just, I'm like, I regret that decision and choice. And uh, right off the top of my head, I think of college. I was taking Spanish one semester. And I just did not put in the effort that I should have been studying. And, uh, oh, it was, it was tough. It was bad. And so I end up, uh, I won't tell you what I did. Uh, we'll just leave it there. But I, I shake my head at that moment in time. And I regret that decision and that choice. Right? Um, but with time travel, people always want to go back and change the past or get glimpses of the future in hopes to better themselves, their lives, and get ahead. You know, I want to pose that here and now is the moment in time we can make decisions and choices that will either change our future for the better or for the worse. The title of my lesson today is Time Travel Starts Now. And my purpose today is to help remind those who are in Christ that we have been guaranteed victory if we remain faithful and that now is the time to take steps and make changes to transform our lives, become the best people we can be for God and His glory. Turn over with me to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Guys, I tend to talk fast when I get nervous, so if you guys can do me a favor and you can just raise your hands. Thank you. I like it. Go like this. That, that'll help me. For those, I can speak fast, so that'll help me out. So you guys will help me. You guys can participate in this. Um, but in Second Corinthians chapter 5, 
Right? Uh, before I get into the scripture, right? If we could choose to go back in time, like where would we where would we go? What's like an event we would want to see? And to me, I think I think the cross, I think the idea of seeing Jesus would be the best moment in time. But the, the biggest moment in history is Jesus dying on the cross. And uh, why I share this? We're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. And then we're going to hop down to verse 21. It reads, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? Jesus laid down his life and gave it up for us. The greatest moment in history to me. Right? God, through Jesus, reconciled men to himself, allowing us a way out of our sin, to pardon us from our sins. But also, he opened up a relationship that we can have with the creator of the universe. One of, my, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, I share this with a lot of the students I study with, is in Acts 17, 26 and 27. We're not, we're not even going to turn there. I'm just going to reference this. But to me, this scripture talks about how God has orchestrated time in history to allow us to get the opportunity to meet him. Right? And so we're here today in this moment in time because God has placed you here. God has put you here. And we're in this room right now. And we can either choose to accept that relationship with him or we can choose to reject it. Maybe you're here today and you have no idea what I'm talking about. I would encourage you, like kind of what Larry was saying at the beginning, is to it's an invitation to study the Bible and get to know the creator of the universe. I would ask you to really take up the opportunity to do that. Ask whoever invited you out. Um, but we can choose two things. We can choose to live our lives selfishly or we can choose to live it selflessly. You know, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus states that he came to give life and life to the full. But we have to be willing to put our life into the hands of the shepherd. To be able to experience that, you know, and I want to ask us today, um, how are we doing with that and giving our lives over to the shepherd? You know, Chris uh, brought up a great point during communion talking about sheep. And uh, man, we are like sheep in so many different ways. We're, we're silly. We can make silly mistakes again and again. Um, but we have an amazing shepherd over us. You know, I think about my moment, uh, my freshman year when I when I decided uh, to make Jesus Lord. Like uh, what an amazing decision I made. I would never trade it. I don't have any regrets. I don't cringe at that. But I made the decision to follow Jesus. Um, as my Lord and Savior when, when I was a freshman, this was coming up on six years ago now, and it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Right? Someone, someone taught me how to study the Bible. Someone taught me what it means to read the Bible, to, to pray, to be a man of God. And uh, it's crazy to look back and see like where God has brought me on that amazing journey. But we're going to go over to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15. Kind of switch gears a little bit. We preach to the disciples in the room now. We're going to read verses uh, 50 to 58. So I'm going to explain a little context what's going on. The Apostle Paul um, wrote this letter and two others. One of them is, uh, is missing. We don't have it anymore. Uh, to the church in Corinth who was struggling with sin and false teaching that came about, that rose up from a lot of the pagan worship that was going on in the area. Um, throughout the letter, Paul addresses sin in the proper way. Some themes are like the proper way for the church to worship God. And uh, in the section of scripture that we're going to look at today, he, uh, his purpose is to teach about what will happen at the resurrection when Jesus returns. And his main theme was that through Jesus, his death, through his death, we've conquered and we no longer have to fear it. Um, through Jesus, he conquered death and we no longer have to fear it. Sorry. Um, and so my purpose, my purpose is similar to Paul's, 
you know, we have victory in Christ, and the battle has been won for those who have decided to follow Jesus. Um, so we're going to read 1 Corinthians 15, 50-58. It says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, I want us to imagine us taking a trip. Right, we're going we're gonna to hop on a plane and we're going to go to a destination. And imagine right before that destination, you hear God speak to you. God's like, hey, everything's going to be all right. You're going to make it to your destination. Right? Imagine getting on that, that plane. You have the most confidence on the planet that you're going to make it. I get nervous a little bit when I fly. I've only flown a handful of times. But imagine, i got a smile on my face. I know I'm going to make it no matter what happens. Right? I could face the worst turbulence. The, the, the masks can fall down from the ceiling, the oxygen mask, you know, the, the captain can make announcements on there and people can be screaming and like just going crazy. But I trust God and I believe God and so I know we're going to make it no matter what. You know, I'm going to ask us, uh, how do we view our lives in this context? Are, are we trusting that, that God's going to land the plane or are we worried about everything else that's going on around us, the, the outside factors, factors, the external forces that are pressing against us? You know, for those who have made Jesus Lord, how are you living? Are you living as if victory is guaranteed, or are you holding on to your life reluctantly, giving it up to God? Brothers and sisters, we know how the story ends. Right? That's the cool thing about the Bible. The Bible tells us already what, what, what the victory awaits us. Right? We, we know the future, in a sense, using God's word. But how are we living? You know, if we truly believe that Jesus is returning, if he's coming back, um, what does that mean for our day-to-day lives? You know, there's no, there should be no surprise. Are we living like we have our eyes set on the future, where we get to dwell with God, or are we here and now focused on temporary things that don't matter all that much in the grand scheme of things? If we decide today to live boldly and differently, inviting our friends, our family, co-workers, complete strangers into the folds of God's love, we may face persecution. The funny thing is, Jesus says himself, he says, no servant is greater than his master. No teacher, and no student is greater than his teacher, right? If they, if they hated him, they're going to hate us as well. But that, would, that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, what are you afraid of? Right? I, I like this scripture in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Um, it kind of talks about, to me, in, in my eyes, the idea of persecution we'll face. Starting in verse 4, it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. You know, the scripture talks about how we're like jars of clay, right? And I think of a jar of clay. It's fragile and it's easily broken. But with the power of God, we are held up, protected from being destroyed God says everything will be alright. Do you believe Him? And if you believe Him, how are you living? This leads me into my second point today. Time travel starts with you and God's Word. You know, our purpose for the section is here and now is the time we can change to become the best we can be for the glory of God. And I want to ask yourselves, I want you to imagine, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self. What advice would you give yourself? Right? What, would you, what would you share? What piece of wisdom would you impart? Why don't you think about that for a moment? To take it a little bit further, uh, maybe a little deeper, would your younger self, if they saw your life today, would they be, would they be encouraged by what they see? Right? Would they be amazed and impacted by, by the level of growth you've achieved? Or would they be discouraged at where you are? You know, would they be discouraged by the sin you battle with still? Or the convictions that you have let slip away? You know, do you pray less than you once did? Or spend less time in the Bible these days? Do you find, do you find yourself in situations that you have never been caught in? Do you give less sacrificially, not only with your money, but with your time, than you once did? No, I want you to think, how did you get here if you find yourself in this, in this situation? What decisions and choices did you make? See, I, I don't think it's, it's abrupt at all. I think it's a gradual slope back onto the wide road. Little decisions that we make here and there that eventually lead to us finding ourselves back to where we started. But we can change that. We can make decisions and choices now to get back on the right track as well. I want us to transition a little bit. I want you to take a second and imagine this. If an older and wiser you came back from the future, what advice would he give you here today? What would he, what would he or she share with you? What would he encourage you with? Would he encourage you to read more? to pray more, to work to memorize more scripture, to fine-tune your convictions, to serve more in the community, whatever you thought of. Why wait? What's holding you back from making those changes today? You can change your future now by making those decisions and choices. Turn with me over to Second Peter. We'll be in chapter 1. Peter was the was the theme of this week. Everyone everyone used first Peter. I'm in, I'm in second Peter, but it's good stuff. 
You know, before we get into it, I think it's funny. It's talking about advice and like, what about someone from the Bible, right? What, what about someone in Jesus' time, if they could give you advice or if you can go back in time and talk to them, what would they say? And so I was trying to think of a, of a good scripture of what we can focus on. And so I picked, uh, I picked 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 3 and 9. But I'm going to explain a little bit of what's going on in context. And so uh, the author of this is Peter. You know, he wrote 1 Peter to urge and to encourage disciples who are experiencing persecution uh, to remain faithful to Jesus. You know, he told them that they should be holy and set apart. And even through our suffering, even through their suffering and persecution, it can show people that they belong to God. You know, in Second Peter, he writes to that very same audience a couple years later, and he's reminding them about what they've been taught about Jesus. And Peter also addresses that false teachers are springing up around them, trying to twist and manipulate the truth. Some people, some people teaching that Jesus already, Jesus wasn't resurrected, so there's no point living godly lives. And Peter warns of their destruction. He encourages them um, to remain faithful, to remain holy, to be set apart. Like Larry was saying. But he also says that Jesus is being delayed because God is patient. God's merciful and he doesn't want anybody to perish, but he wants everyone to repent. And so again, my purpose is, is the same as Peter. You know, our proper response is to live lives filled with hope while we look forward to a new heaven and earth where righteousness dwells. Starting in verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious precious promises, so that through them you may part, may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, Peter says, imagine him saying it to you, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, into goodness knowledge, into knowledge self-control, into self-control perseverance, into perseverance godliness, into godliness brotherly kindness, into brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Now I look here, and Peter is, Peter is not writing how to be a Christian, but about the kind of person the Christian should strive to become. This isn't a random list of character qualities, but each one builds upon the qualities of the one before it. And so I wanted to take some time and just explain some of these and, and maybe even how they build up. But I believe this is the advice that Peter would give us if he could, if he could talk to us or we go back and talk to him. He's like, I want you to focus on these things to help you to be productive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are things we can grow and focus on, but we can't just go from faith and jump all the way to love. I believe it's, it is really is a step-by-step process of how to figure this out. And so he starts off with faith. You know, faith is found in his word and learning who God is through his son, Jesus Christ, and the righteousness that he offers through life in him. You know, how much time are we spending in our Bibles? How much time are we spending getting to know who God is today? You know, then he goes in, he, he talks about goodness, and I was looking up a couple different, what tra- other translation says, and some say moral excellence, virtue, and resolution. Um, and the idea was, like, well, okay, why does that come before knowledge, right? And, and this, is, this is what I think. Um, you know, God's standard, 
his goodness. He is goodness. He is what good is, scripture tells us. So that is, we need to view ourselves in the proper light. You know, we need to see that we, we all fall short. Our sin separates us from God. We must view ourselves properly so that we may give God proper glory and praise. When we, and then when we embrace the truth that God is, that God is good, and we desire that for our lives, then we're able to grasp the knowledge of Him who saves. Right? But how, are, how do you view yourself today? You know, Chris brought up a, a good point with the idea of being sheep. Uh, two different sheeps, I think that's really awesome. But like, how do you view yourself? Right? Do you see yourself as undeserving, as unworthy? Do you view yourself as like, man, I have it all together? Or do you see yourself as someone who's in need of God's mercy and God's grace? Because then once we, once we can start there, then we can, then we can build up from that. Right? And the idea of knowledge is we need, to, we need our minds to be transformed with the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this comes from the Word. I'm going to read, I think 1 Corinthians uh, says it better than I ever could. So I'm going to read verses eight, 18 to 25. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise the intelligence of the intelligent, and I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God, is, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Right now, I share this the idea is like, how do we view the cross? How do we view Jesus? Do we see it as something that's silly, that doesn't make sense? I would say we're looking at it from the wrong way, but we need to see that this is the power of God. That's where true wisdom comes from. Um, and the idea of like us being saved and where we need to go in order to get to the next level in our faith. So once we have that knowledge, once we understand that God is the way, we can build off of that. And we learn to have self-control. That's what Peter goes into next. And self-control is to take a grip of oneself, putting off our old selves that were consumed by our evil desires and put on the new self, living godly and holy lives. You know, living a godly life requires us to master the flesh and make it our servant rather than our master. You know, what sins are we struggling with? You know, how is our battle against the flesh going? You know, do we constantly give up and fall and we stop fighting? We like say, hey, it's just something I struggle with. This is just what? It's just my personal battle. Are we understanding that we can, we can be a master over it, that with God anything is possible and we can fight to the top through it, through him and his power? And once we have self-control, that leads to perseverance. This, this enables us to persist and to not give up in our pursuit of godly character, even when we suffer. Right? And I kind of talked about that before. The idea is like, we're going to have to persevere through persecution, through hard times, and not give up and hold strong. You know, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 9, we have to physically deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. You know, I think of the cross as an instrument that Jesus suffered with, for the, suffered on for the betterment of us all. And he calls us to have that same mindset to carry our own instrument of suffering for the betterment of others. How are you at carrying your cross these days? Right? Do you set it down from time to time? Right? Is it too heavy for you? And so you try to chisel some away? Are you carrying it proudly? 
right? Asking for help if you need it, right? I think of Jesus and Simon in the garden. But uh, we have to carry our cross. We have to persevere. We have to keep our, keep our eyes set on the goal. And I think this leads then to godliness. You know, the attitude and reverence which seeks to please God in all things. You know, godliness, it desires a right relation with both God and man. It brings the sanctifying presence of God into all experiences of life. Right, and I was reflecting, I was thinking about this, like, how am I at work? How are you at work? How are you with your friends? How are you with strangers? How are you at school? Is it the same? Is it consistent or do you change? Are you bringing the presence of God with you into those situations at all times? Or is it something you do when you're around a certain group of people? We have to strive for godliness. Godliness leads to brotherly kindness, and this is just the love we have for one another, for the family of believers, to love them, even though we may not have not much in common, like we have the we have the cross, we have Jesus in common, and through that we can have a bond and a fellowship with one another that goes against all things, right? That, that sometimes just doesn't make sense to the people in the outside world. Um, but then eventually that should lead us to love, right? And this is agape love, the unconditional, no strings attached, the love God showed us by sending His Son to die for us, to die for His enemies who would even choose to go against Him, and never accept His gift. You know, we are called too to love everyone, even as our even our enemies that may even persecute us at times. It is a love that applies to both believers and non believers. So I want to read for us again in Second Peter. Just kind of close out. Like these things, I want us to reflect and meditate. It's something we can focus on and grow in. These different these different character traits. It reads verses uh Verses 8 and 9, it says, for if, you, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. You know, man cannot contribute to his own salvation, right? I think, I don't, I don't want to paint that off. Like it was Jesus coming to die for us, God through Jesus and his sacrificial work on the cross that allows us to be saved. Um, God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. But once we have come to the faith in Christ, you know, once we decide to become disciples, we are to dilig- diligently strive after godly character. For God has provided the means for life and godliness, as Second Peter said. You know, the Christian, Christian life is not let go and let God. You know, once we become Christians, it, it should be trust God and get going. You know, the sovereignty of God should never be an excuse for being passive and inactive in our faith, but one of action and love. In doing so, we bring glory to God by manifesting his excellence to men. So we have decisions and choices today. What are we going to do? What decisions and choices are we going to make today to change our future? I mean, we can choose to walk out and ignore it and go on, or we can choose to, to make a difference, to make little steps. Right, I want to challenge us to choose just one thing today to focus on. Right, maybe it's the thing that your, your older self would come back and tell you to do, and go after that with everything you have. Or maybe even listen to what Peter has to say and focus on these characteristics to be productive in our knowledge. But time travel starts with God. Time travel starts with you and His Word. Time travel starts now, and what we do with our lives. Amen.